Peace, amigos. This is Chip from The Real Dirt. Now, today's dirt. I have my good friend Ted Matejo, and we're speaking Spanglish, coming live from Mexico. Say hey, Ted. Hola, everyone. And hola to you, Chip. Always good to hear your voice. Always enjoy a good conversation with you. Well, today's your birthday, right? Yeah, but I started celebrating earlier because I figured I got the whole month down here by myself, so I might as well just celebrate the whole month. Well, ha- well, happy birthday, Ted. Thank you, Chip. Always means a lot coming from you, buddy. So, uh, Ted is uh, is is down in Mexico at his house down there. They've um, he's decided to uh, wade out the coronavirus um, a worldwide quarantine in Mexico. Uh, he's he's living a luxurious life. He's on the beach. He's kite surfing every day. He's fishing. He's uh, looking at the waves, I mean, wow, you could uh, be hard to pass the time better any other way. No, man, and I, since it, things are getting so uh, detrimental in the world today, I went ahead and started sprouting marijuana seeds just in case it got really serious. Yeah, Planted right. a garden right. and then started started planting seeds just in the <laughs> event that I need to be sustainable for a little, a little while. Oh, sweet, man. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, always uh, ironic when an American is growing weed in Mexico, right? What what type of weed are you smoking down there? Shit, whatever you can get, really. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's good weed everywhere, and I, I've said this about the world. America does have the best weed on the whole on the whole planet, and what, that's what, not wait, to say that we're American. Could you could you say that again? I said America. We have the Americans have the best weed on the whole planet. There's no doubt about oh, that. Traveled 50 countries to find it. <laughs> it's infrastructure, though. We have money behind it. There's development. There's there's capitalism going into it. So as that industry catches up later, and all these other countries come on board, I'm I'm quite sure they'll be able to produce cannabis on the same level as we are. It's all about infrastructure and dollars and care that you can put into the cultivation process, right? Yeah. There's there's culture that has to happen too, for sure. You know, people have to know how to grow it and harvest it, and what seeds to plant, and what's actually good and what's not good. I mean, it's it's more than just technology and seeds. It's I I, I will agree with you, but I will say this, Chef, and, and this is something that I mean I hold dearly is when it when it comes to pot, pot's not the most difficult thing to grow, and I don't want to I don't want to overstate that. So yeah, I'll take yeah, words no. out of context. But like 95, 95% plus of cannabis uh, taste and final product is about harvesting, right? It's how you harvest this product. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Even in Mexico, they've grown weed for years, hundreds of years. It's the harvesting and the curing process where, we, where, where it starts to differentiate itself from the other, other yeah. cannabis in the world. You lose so much oh, integrity in your cannabis and harvest, right? I tell you, if there's one thing that I've gotten out of this podcast is I've had multiple people come up to me over the past few years and said something like, man, I took your advice or you're totally right or I'm glad you said this or I'm glad you recognize that harvest is the most crucial part of growing and people don't put enough time on it and it's ruined right at that last second. I mean, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, my my weed is so much better because I harvest it properly after talking to your, you know, you talking to a guest about it or listening to your show or doing some investigation because you mentioned it. Like, man, that makes me feel good. That means I'm I'm making 
better weed in the world without having to do much. Yeah, I know. You're 100% correct. It's, everything's about harvest. You know, I, I'll, I'll say this, and I, I guess statue of limitations to get me in my, uh, my company in Colorado forever. And I brought back some, some uh, land-raised strains probably seven, eight years ago, and I ended up growing them in my indoor garden. Ironically, I, I started 20 seeds, and all of them were females, which was ironic out of the deal. Um, but they were some of my heaviest producers I have ever produced. And I'm talking beautiful ganja, beautiful, mega-hitting ganja, testing it. 18 to 25% on the regular. I just grew it under the right circum, right, right conditions that needed to be and harvested it in a way. So uh, I'm a big fan of like land race genetics. And if you oh, can man. do them and correctly, you the, I'm you, you select the right land race and then you cross it in with some other modern stuff and you can really get some great vigor, uh, great growth patterns, true hybrid vigor. I mean, we, we have, we have a handful of land race hybrids. Um, in the in the old seed stable these days, but uh, yeah, there's something there. There's also man land races are land racist, you know. They're uh, not like our modern weed. No, no, not at all. Not like our modern stuff that's out there at all. But it's always good to go come back to where you came from, right? And start looking at some of these land races. One thing I never had the time to do was the breed. I've always been in the commercial industry where you're just trying to pound out agriculture and weight and volume and never had the time to uh to crossbreed some of these genetics i would have loved to or loved to give them to some some individuals that had the time that were doing crossbred genetics i had some big i had some really nice hitters out of south america mexico that i, I cultivated up in the states that i was really impressed with when you put them in a good indoor environment or greenhouse environment that they came along well. Oh, yeah, man. I've got some Panama crosses and some Angolas and some Thais and some Colombians and some Mexicans. We, we got a bunch of crosses and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to playing it out this year. We're going to use them, all of our land race hybrids, as dry farming. And so on, on a chunk of the ranch here, we're going to dry farm, and we're going to use those land race strains to do it. Elaborate on that dry farming. I'm, I'm not catching well, with you. So it means, a, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But basically, okay. it means that, sh that you're primarily relying on just the, the natural rainfall or water table to irrigate your cannabis. Right? Or your whatever crop. Now, different crops have different techniques. Uh, you know, some people are purist about it. The way we're going to do it is we're going to plant out the seeds directly into the ground. We're going to give them as much water we can in the early part of their life. And then, Correct. so we're going to run irrigation and everything. But uh, it's all overflow for us. So we're kind of tapped out on our water or as much water as we want to actually feed the rest of all of the cannabis gardens we got, because we've got another couple of acres that we're irrigating daily, right? Um, and uh, this way, the, the, when you plant them out from seed like that, the, the, the taproot like, goes super deep. The root system becomes huge. 
uh, and you start to like suck out the water of the field, right? The, the plants might not get as big, their color might be different, but you know, you, you don't have to irrigate, you don't fertilize. It's really, <clears throat> I mean, it's how all of the like most of the you know, land race cannabis has always been grown, right? No irrigation, no fertilization, um, just under you know, you know, the natural rain cycle, or natural water table. Well, that's your strongest plants, right? I mean, when they say weeds, a weed, it is a weed. It will grow. It's not the most difficult thing in the grow. Yeah. We get good Clones quality don't do weed so well. Clones don't do no. so well. Dry no, dry. they I mean, don't. You can. No, they it, don't. It can be done, but, like, uh, we're choosing these land race ones specifically so we can, you know, we feel like that's the one of their, their drought tolerant, their heat resistant, and, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, we're that's gotta be really, like that, five or six acres. That has like to that. be really good. That has to be really good with where you're at in Oklahoma, and that southern Oklahoma, Texas region. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna need a more vigorous land raised strain. It's hot, man. It's hot, humid, and fucking windy, hot. Like yeah, right. It gets it, all of it. It's here. fucking hell for you to go outside. Wind's blowing at 25 knots today. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a difficult environment growing outdoors here in Oklahoma, but, you know, honestly, the conditions are very similar to Southern Humboldt most of the flowering time of the year, and the fall seemed to go on forever, I mean, all the way to Thanksgiving, and we had 90-degree days last week, so I'm a... Uh, uh, for Oklahoma, we, we're doing a lot of stuff for extraction, um, uh, day-neutral flowering cannabis, and uh, land-race hybrids are, are a lot of the stuff we're going to grow. We're going to grow a bunch of clones, too, um, outdoors and, and in, you know, greenhouses and whatnot. But uh, for, the, for the most part, it's going to be, uh, you know, day-neutral flowering cannabis, i.e. autoflowers and uh, some land race hybrids we got. Yeah, it's really interesting to see what's going on in the world and how cannabis is evolving in such a way. You know, back in the day, I would never think about just throwing a whole bunch of outdoor in somewhere like Oklahoma and thinking I could get high-quality product. Yeah, it's totally. not saying against the skills of growing. It's just can the genetics handle it, right? Well, I mean, and, you have to test wanna... it, man. You have to test it. Last year, yeah. I planted out like 10 or 15 things. Two things really, really stood out, man. And so the, those are the clones that we're, re- we're going to put out heavy next year. And, you know, the, the, the donkey butter and the gills nils did great outside. The purple punch did phenomenal in the greenhouses. So, uh, you know, the purple punch didn't do so good in the full outdoors, though. It turned brown and just, you know, didn't have a great taste. So you just got to trial and error, man. You got to plant that shit out and see what happens. 100% trial and error. I believe, I'm, I believe in that. You know, even some of what I'm going to do with a couple of strains down here, it's highly illegal for me to do this in Mexico. Like, highly illegal. No, it's but medicinal. Like, you know, no, it's totally medicinal. It's yeah, well, of course. I mean, it, it, and granted, Mexico's legal now, right? They, they are mm-hmm. legal. There is this recreational bill, but 
just because it says that in the Constitution, and this is only recently this has happened in the past three months, it's kind of like early day cannabis in, in, in Colorado where the police weren't quite aware of the laws that were around, right? I mean, for a while people right. were busting people in Colorado oh, yeah, and, and they didn't know and you would sue and you would win, right? Because they didn't educate the law enforcement on it. And that's kind of what we have here. They're not educated up on the current development of law. But I plan to grow a couple of strains. I'm going to grow them low, kind of make them really viney so I can keep them where they're not, you know, crawling over a 10-foot fence, <laughs> per se. <laughs> and then she, I was like, we're going to play with this a little bit and see what happens. If anything, I always can chop one down, but that's not that's not an option. <laughs> Well, you got to chop it down eventually. Well, you know, my life cycle here is a continual 12-12 yearly. I think max max is 13 and a half hours. Max, 13 and a half hours of daylight. Um, and peak season, and the lowest is like 11 hours and so you 20 flower minutes. Most clones are all year long. I could flower out all, all year round. Yeah, if you had a yeah. good greenhouse with some offset lighting, you want to do commercial, not a problem. He's looking at you automatically you know, going to commercial. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's how you and I think. I'm like, let's, how much can we produce, right? It's a commodity. Let's Abs- grow it. Commodity, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, just to catch you guys up, I'm sitting here talking to Ted Matejo. Ted is a founder of Atlas Cannabis. They're an international cannabis company. They're involved in license and licensing all over the country from uh, uh, Denmark to Greece to Colombia to the old USA. And the reason I called Ted up today was, was one, because it was his birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, and but I, I wanted to talk about like you know what's going on with cannabis internationally since uh, we have uh, this current you know coronavirus that we're we're dealing with and and how uh, he thinks it's affecting us uh, right now and how he thinks it's going to affect us in the future. You know one of the things that's come up is is cannabis is essential now. Let's talk about that. Man, isn't that an interesting subject on its own? Yeah, um, no it's really, shit, dude. God, we've been waiting years for that to happen. And, you know, one, just to give thought to the political, to the environment right now, globally, it's, it's, a, it's a shitty situation what we have going on, you know, all over the world with this COVID-19 and whatnot. But it's, it's, it's really promising for cannabis people to see in the United States what are we like 33 36 states or something that are medically legal Man. and i could i could be shooting i could be wrong by a couple but doesn't that doesn't matter but more story is all these states that are legal medically are deeming cannabis essential it's essential as guns as essential as alcohol as essential as the damn grocery store being open and that is a very, very promising thing in, in today's environment. We were, if we would have talked about this 15 years ago, we would laugh and be like, that would never yeah, be. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> we would have said it needed to be. Um, yeah, but, you course. know, in, in, Denver, in Denver a couple of days ago, they, you know, issued a, a stay-at-home warning and, you know, listed the non-essential businesses and recreational 
um, cannabis facilities and liquor stores weren't included on the initial list, man, within just a few hours, there was a reissuing of the list. And the first thing it said was, um, well, um, of course, recreational cannabis shops as well as liquor stores can remain open. Oh, for sure. Hey, I, I moved most of my money in the stock market just over to the liquor sales, to the liquor distributors in Beth Southern Glacier. Hey, liquor sales are up 220% right now. That's a fact. I make that number up. That's a fact. So you know marijuana in, in areas that are solid and stable are doing quite well, which is good, which is very promising for the industry. Then what else are you going to do? You're quarantined at home. There's nothing to do. You're either going to drink or you're going to smoke some weed all day because there's nothing to do. And the humans, we're, we're not meant to just sit down all day long. Some people are. So I agree. Some people are, but I'm not. And most people I know aren't. We have to keep moving. So might as well do something with it and just say stone and forget about it. So it's uh, how's the, how has the uh, virus affected other cannabis operations throughout the world? Have you talked to anyone with any of your other contacts? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you and I are on a project in Georgia. That's one that's getting stalled, but we're, we can get into that later. In the United States, we're more established with policy medically. Per se, but we have to walk away from recreational in this, this, this environment, right? Because it wouldn't be politically correct to say recreational, we should all be going out to the source smoking weed. I agree we should, but whatever. Medically, it's, it's stopped. Globally, it's stopped. Everything is based around this coronavirus. And I don't think, you know, 2020 was a very critical year for myself and cannabis. Because I thought there was going to be a lot of policy to pass. It was polling heavily, this isn't just in the states, this is internationally. But we're we're going to stop right now with the COVID nineteen. We're a hundred percent. There's nothing going to happen. It, it's Go going to be topsy turvy in the marketplace too, because uh, you know tourism is a huge portion of the Colorado and California. Um, you know, Oregon and Washington legal cannabis business, and there is no tourism going on right now. So, I mean, I'm not sure what the oh, current sure. fact is, but in Colorado several years ago, it was considered almost half, 50% of the sales were tourist sales. So, man, without those guys going, 50%, too, there's just going to be a, immediately this huge overproduction for all of these shops that had developed uh, retail organizations and then a big fuel big huge grow to supply them so you know those guys they're gonna like be doing 50 percent less business at their retail stores they're gonna have all this weed they're not normally used to like wholesaling weed but like tons of people are and then the wholesalers they're still gonna have their weed so uh, man the market's gonna be flooded the price in colorado's already dropped like a, a chunk um and you know just at the past few weeks uh you know, it's perceived that business is really good right now, but I think overall it, it might not be, might not be so, man. Um, and it's just you know just uh, what, what's gonna what's gonna happen when uh, you know it all catches up when it floods. Well, I'm I'm, I'm a big I, I like to think that I have a I have a great understanding of what that was because it was a time back in the day where everything was that listed. And I remember the 2008, 2009, you know, when we had the recession of black market. The black market cannabis was some of the highest profit margin you could ever make during those years. 
And I was originally thinking that that would cause the same type of situation during COVID-19. But to be honest with you, you know, you look at the tourism, what about like, you know, you look up in Northern Humboldt in your old area, what about people coming to trim, coming to work, coming to harvest? There's no mobility right now. Labor is hard it's, right now. It is hard. It's going to hurt. And the black market controls as much as, I don't like to say this out loud, but it's true. The black market dictates price of the legal market. So I think, yeah, the legal market's going to have a gut of overproduction, but I don't think it's going to hurt them on sales. I don't. Um, I don't. Well, I mean, currently it's not, but I don't know, man. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And the states that don't have yeah, recreational, no. their sales are going up, right? Because they're not reliant on a, uh, you know, on a tourist market. But, you know, it's, it's already, it's absolutely. Are, overall, wholesale prices in Colorado have dropped in just the past few weeks, and it was rapid drop as well. And that's, you know, that's on the legal market, correct? Legal market. Yep. 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 Hey, I'll, I will I mean, tell you this and you, people aren't going to like stop smoking weed. So private market sales to places like Indiana and Georgia and, you know, all the states that don't have access to legal medication medicine, they're all going to like ramp up. Their oh, yeah. prices are going to go up. You know, well, you know, it seems I, like consumer prices have still paying the same as they have for 30 years, man, on the consumer end. Right. It's like hardly changed at all. It's all the middleman and people transporting it, growing it. They're making the money. That's a whole nother podcast alone. I can, I yeah. Can go yeah. On the right. Like right. right, right, <laughs> right. Go off, Absolutely. I can go off the rails on the sales day. structures and hey, never... cannabis market. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, the guys that got fucked in that deal were people like you and me, the cultivators. Absolutely. The guy growing the grain, he ain't getting shit. The guy who's reselling nope. the cereal at the grocery store, he's getting paid. Right. And all he has to do is buy all it. All right. I remember back in the day, especially like, you know, when the market started dropping, I would sell a lot of old, you know, a lot of wholesale black market stuff. And I'd always drop my prices down. You know, I didn't, my margin, I knew what I needed to make. I know that. And I was like, all right, you should pass this down to the consumer. They only do it for so far. When you get mm -hmm. to the middleman, the guy that's distributing eight quarters mm -hmm. ounces, yeah. he or she don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Hundred dollar quarters, sixty dollar rates. Yep, right. Tied All day long. World. world, and that's why I'm a big fan of the recreational market getting illegal. Because, and I tell this, and this is a big thing that scared me. You know, back in 2012, 2013, I truly thought the recreational market was going to make this product more expensive for people. Man, by the time we tax it, a goddamn eight is going to cost us a hundred dollars. No, the recreational, the legal market has been very good for cannabis consumers. I mean, yeah, yeah you oh, can yeah, buy an eighth man. on the street for $35, $40. You can buy an eighth in the store, $35, $40. Yes, you can get it cheaper, you can get it more expensive, but just general. But I can mm -hmm. walk into a store and go get a, I can get a hundred different types of, like, uh, there's a varieties, right? It gives you an option. Yeah. And when you're thinking about sales into the consumer, if you take me into a store and tell me I need to spend a thousand dollars on this item, but I've got five other items, I can spend nine hundred dollars, eleven hundred dollars, twelve, eight. I'm always going to go to the most. It gives you options. It makes retail experience. It becomes shopping. It's fun. You end up spending more money because you have options. Oh yeah, me too, man. Me too. Same way. 
And I always one of those, one of those, one of those, one of those. Yeah, of course. Kind of like a, I like to come out with like a Skittles pack every time I go in a store. I'm like, well, shit, this is amazing. Yeah, totally. It's, uh, you know, it's changing like that all over, though, man. I mean, you know, Alabama, Virginia, West Virginia, like everybody is, is you know, hopping on some type of medical cannabis operation, man. It's, it's, it's going to be everywhere. It's moving along very well. I mean, it's solid. It, it's really, I, I don't want to say shitty, it's shitty for marijuana business right now for getting policy passed, you know, during the current environment right now. But it's really positive to look at cannabis from a distance that, you know, we're doing this finally right. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're setting this up correctly. And yeah, I always absolutely. take pride into going yeah, into uh, new places to say, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want one. The way I tell people, I'm not financially motivated. Yes, I want to make money. Yes, there's money that's going to come. First off, we need to set this industry up correctly with the proper rules, proper regulations, proper environment. And then we'll all make money, but it'll be benefit for the society of people. We've been fighting a very long time for this. You know as much as anybody. Yeah, man. Preach on, dude. That's true, though, is the get rid of the greed and just start growing the weed and things will work out. Absolutely. Absolutely. How's Oklahoma's environment right now? Well, uh, a bunch of places have shut down because of the coronavirus. Uh you know, my wife's dispensary, she shut that down. She kept the clone nursery going. You know, we just have somebody that goes in there one day a week and takes care of everything. Uh, so uh, that's still happening. Uh, you know, we, we got a pretty good size garden plan for the year. And our, our sales at the grocery stores have been pr- holding pretty steady. So, uh, you know, we, we see that, like, people are still smoking tons of weed. The market's not, like, full yet. It's not flooded yet. Um, you know, there's still room for people to grow and, and put it together. I mean, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the, uh, the fallout from this coronavirus. But, uh, man, you know, as far as I know, man, most unemployment people, people that are unemployed, they smoke more weed. Utilize this time to get closer to your family, get your own personal situations under Absolutely. order, right? Absolutely. Use this time to self-reflect on you. Yep. You know, this is a yep. once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I make it sound like it's good, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, it's, it's time to reflect. We're going to – we're going to – we're humans. Life gives you lemons. We're humans to survive lemonade. anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. We're humans, man. We're survivors. We're going to get through this. We don't know what it's going to be. You know, I, man, you know me. I, I love talking to people, especially older generations. I love – I love turning people that's against cannabis and just educating them and showing, you know, we're not a bunch of just bunch of weed hippies around here. We're actually business people. We're like-minded. We want something that's positive for the world. Nobody's ever seen a situation like this. You know, some of my biggest investors, they're in their eighties and late seventies, eighties, early nineties. And I lean to them for life advice that I haven't seen. And you yeah. want to understand, and nobody's ever seen this. We don't know what's going to come of this situation that we're in. No, we just have to keep uh, keep our eyes open for you know the right opportunity for all of us to scale our businesses, um, whichever scale up or scale down, whichever is good for you. And uh, you know, just have a little compassion in our hearts about you know the, the people we know around us. No, that's the biggest thing, man. You're right. You're going over scaling up, we're scaling down. But this is time as a society especially as a country that we still love each other and be like, Hey, how can I help you? 
can you help me and 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 try to help each other survive and be successful when we come out of this correctly take all the hate away from the world right just too much of it as it is dude i agree man i agree it's a small world man small world well ted it's been a good chatting with you from uh, mexico i'm glad we got to speak to you on your birthday this is the birthday episode of ted matejo uh, Ted, is there uh, you, you got any uh, parting advice for uh, cannabis uh, entrepreneurs out there here for the rest of 2020? Yeah, I've got, well, I have a bunch of good advice if COVID-19 didn't happen. More stories, man. Keep pushing. I came from a situation where people didn't like cannabis and was always against me. And as, as you said, Chip, we've known each other for a long time. We're pioneers, and we need future pioneers in this industry to keep this thing pushing across, yeah. get it across the finish line yeah, as an industry farmers. in a sustainable and, and very productive manner that's good not only for the society, but mm-hmm. economics has to play a role in it because we know that the world doesn't work without money. So creating an environment where we're sustainable economically and socially is, is huge in this industry. Well, thanks again for joining me, Ted. And uh, if you like this episode and want to download this or others, check us out on therealdirt.com or look for us on the podcast at the iTunes, The Real Dirt Podcast. Subscribe, please. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Comment, follow back, say what's up, give us some ideas, reach out anytime you're in the area. Uh, definitely check out Cultivate Colorado if you're in Denver, Cultivate OKC if you're down here in Oklahoma City. And uh, yeah, and then there's uh, Baker's Medicinal, Baker's Clone Nursery providing all your great great genetics so uh yeah if you're in the area stop by and say hi otherwise roll the largest join up you can and listen to the next episode of the real perfect love you brother